It is now my joy and honor to welcome our founding father, Bill Bennett. Can we all stand and welcome Pastor Bill Bennett? Really an honor to have him in the house. I know that some of you know him, some may not know who he is. So as you take your seats, let me just describe who Pastor Bill is. He's uh, not a spiritual father on paper. He has discipled a number of us. 1987, Pastor Bill and his family, they moved to Johannesburg, South Africa. They planted what was his people, now it is every nation. And uh, Pastor Bill and Connie, they have pioneered a number of churches that we have in South Africa today and the, the continent of Africa. I had the privilege of traveling with him to Sierra Leone, Nigeria, Ghana. We had fun, eh? We had lots of fun, (laughs) lots of fun. So I can safely say this is the man who discipled me. If you see anything not good with me, blame it on him. The love of coffee, blame it on him. Everything that is good in this church, it is because of his legacy. Three things I want to highlight. Love for God. Love for God. And the second thing that's a legacy that Pastor Bill has left for us is big faith that we can believe God for anything and everything. I see people nodding. It means you've been around for too long, Louis. You've been around. You know, um, the third thing is a passion for reformation and revival. A passion for reformation and revival. Pastor Bill is married to our mother, Connie Bennett. They have four children, three sons, one girl, and uh, doing amazing things. If Pastor Bill can tell you about his kids, we will have to spend the whole day here. And he has a master's and a doctorate, so this man is schooled. Let's give him another round of applause. I love you, man. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. All right. That's that's a pretty good picture, hey? Look at that. I wish I still looked like that. (laughs) Hi, everybody. It's it's really good here. I, I just... I didn't get to do this neither. You guys are like the special service. So you guys come like so late. <laughs> so you're getting something that the first two services didn't get. Just, <laughs> by the way, this, uh, these were sent to me by somebody. Uh, once there was a little boy who lived in the country. The family still used an outhouse, long drop. <laughs> right? A little boy hated it. Because it was so hot in the summer, freezing cold in the winter, and it stank all the time. The outhouse was sitting on the bank of a creek. And the boy was determined that one day he would push that old outhouse straight into the creek. So one day after a spring rain, the creek was swollen. And the little boy decided today was the day to push the outhouse into that creek. So he found a large pole and he started pushing pushing and pushing. Finally, after a lot of effort, the outhouse toppled into the creek and floated away. That night, his dad told him they were going to the woodshed after supper. (laughs) The boy knew that meant a spanking. So he asked, why? So he asked why. The dad replied, someone pushed the outhouse into the creek today. It was you, wasn't it, son? Boy answered, said, yes. Then the boy thought a moment and said, dad, I read in school that George Washington chopped down a cherry tree, and he didn't get in trouble because he told the truth. The dad replied, well, son, George Washington's father probably wasn't in that cherry tree. (laughs) Isn't that great? Sorry, I got something else someone sent me. I, I love kids stuff. I really, I'm just a big kid. I just, we're all just big kids. I, I thought that was great. Visiting his grandparents, a small boy opened the big family Bible. He was fascinated as, his fingered, as he fingered through the old pages. Suddenly, something fell out. He picked it up and found that it was an old leaf that had been pressed flat between the pages. Mama, look what I found, he called out. What have you found there, dear? The mother asked. With astonishment in his voice, the boy answered, I think it's Adam's underwear. <laughs> Just a, that's some pretty good theology right there. That's, that's good Bible. See, that's what you, you get good stuff when you come to the 12 o'clock service. First two services did not get that anointed stuff. They did not get that. I was determined <laughs> you were going to get some special treatment. 
This is the place to be. It is wonderful to be here. I just want to mention, I, I have a new book out. I want to mention this book called Let Love Lead. Yeah, uh, it's like really good. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, it's, I mean, I'm really good at promoting other people's stuff. I mean, that's my favorite pastime. I mean, my favorite thing to do is just promote other people. And with, but I got to say, I, I need, this is really a great book um, called Let Love Lead, When Love Wears a Leader. And, um, and even though it's, it seems like it's pitched just as leaders when we think of in a functional or sort of vocational sense, and that's not exactly the truth. In fact, a friend of mine who wrote an endorsement uh, in the book, he's a well-known adventurer, he's a, he's a movie maker, he's based in Washington, D.C., <laughs> in the endorsement, he corrected me, <laughs> you know, he said this. He said, though Bill wrote, Bill wrote this book for leaders, I think he's wrong. <laughs> How do you like that? Kind of endorsed me. He's wrong. This is a book for absolutely everyone. Not since the ragmuffin gospel has a publication so impacted me. I've read hundreds of books on the ABCs of leadership, and to pigeonhole let love lead, let love lead into the category, into that category does it a disservice. Let love lead reveals what the gospel is meant to look like. With eloquence, human, and story, Bill paints a portrait of a leader with no agenda, nothing to prove, utterly vulnerable, and with everything to give. The trend over the years has been to run churches like businesses. Often it seems as if each church is its own little kingdom with its own little king. Let Love Lead smashes the idea of the church as business and reveals the true message of Christ. I can't adequately put into words how vital um, and revolutionary this book is for this generation. I don't know if you know who Steve Backlin is, uh, incredibly gifted. I mean, one of my favorite uh, in the Bethel team and Bethel world. He's a good friend of mine. In fact, I'm doing a conference with him in New Mexico in August. In fact, we just had him in Cape Town at our church there last year. He said this. He said, the whole book is great, but the table of contents alone will rock your world. <laughs> so that's pretty good. So you get to cable, just get the table of contents and you're all right. Anyway, so now my apologies. The first two services bought them all. <laughs> but, well, the way, I think we got, we got six, we got five, five, only five. Okay. But anyway, we're going to get more. The bookstore will get them. We have a distributor here that has, I mean, I brought a lot of this up with me from Cape Town, but we will get more, and you can access at the bookstore. So there are five in the bookstore. It's 150 Rand. Sorry? On Amazon. You get it on Kindle? Now, if you, were, you can get it hard copy as well. Unfortunately, only in Europe and the U.S. can you get hard copies from Amazon, I think, unless it's changed. You can get it on Kindle. But anyway, so I just, and, I, and this, is, this is Simon's edition, so here I'll give that back to my bud. Thank you, my bud. I love you, hero. Ser- seriously. I, you're, what I, any, anyway, um, okay. All right. Let's see. Okay. Um, yeah, I got a little bit more time. Hmm. I don't have a watch. What do you call a preacher without a watch? Scary. No, there's a big clock right there looking at me. <laughs> I've been pretty good. I've been extremely obedient, but now there's not a service after you, so I don't know. I might backslide. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm playing with you. Just to mention tonight, I minister at the 5 p.m. service. I should have mentioned it the first two services. I'm going to be ministering on the, uh, the, the anatomy of a miracle. Yeah, the atmosphere of the miraculous. It's like really good. It's pretty cool. Um, and so you might want to come to that if you kind of double up, you know, kind of double dip, <laughs> double header. <laughs> and uh, so that'll be tonight at 5 o'clock. And um, okay, you know, I... It was actually this morning, kind of last night, well, it was actually this morning when I woke up that I realized that there were going to be sort of different things. This wasn't going to be just sort of one message and, you know, God sort of spreads out over everybody, just different things, just kind of put, and I, and I was sort of, sort of writing those things down because I, I just knew that God wanted to say some different things and God knows we're unique and distinct and, you know, we have, you know, we have different worlds that we're in, and, and yes, there are some things that are common to all of us, but there are many things unique to each of us, and that's really important to know that, and uh, so I'm going to do that, and, 
And I'm gonna, last two services, I never got past two, you know. But there is, what I want to do is I'm going to skip the first one. I think I might end on the first one. So I could, there's a couple of others. In fact, um, Simon, I'm, no, I don't. I thought I was going to need the book again. Um, I would like to, uh, let's see. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this one first, even though I never even got to it in the first service. Like I said, you're getting, you're getting the extra stuff right here. And, um, and, it's, and I'm going to read a little, I'm going to just read a little piece from the book, Let Love Lead. And then I'm going to share with you what the Holy Spirit wanted me to deposit. It's for us. It's with our life in mind, okay? And um, so I'm not just selling, I'm not reading this for the sake of the book. I'm really reading this because there's a very significant deposit that the Holy Spirit wants to make for somebody in here. It might be several people that need to hear this. And, uh, the, and so this is actually chapter 8. And it's, and it's an easy book to read, but it's loaded, by the way. It is, it is, I mean, my first book was not easy to read. It was loaded, but boy, you, you had to have a dictionary because <laughs> it, it was my doctorate dissertation. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great book called Unstoppable Kingdom. You can get that on Kindle as well. Uh, we're, we're, we've got to get some more printed. Uh, but, but this is actually chapter 8, and um, the title of chapter 8 is, You Let Love Lead When You Are Quick to Apologize and the Last to Criticize. And uh, see, those are good top titles. But this, I just want to read a portion of this. One of my favorite illustrations that Jesus used when his disciple, with his disciples is the log and the speck. It is a brief but powerful reminder of how to keep our focus and efforts in the right place. He said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log in your own eye? Jesus then says, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We know that the log is a metaphor for something else. No one can have a physical log in their eye. The key here is the difference in size. A log is a whole lot bigger than a speck, meaning we should be working on ourselves a heck of a lot more than we are working on someone else. Jesus is saying that the clarity to help others comes from the priority of dealing with ourselves first and continually. Being quick to apologize and the last to criticize is about better self-reflection. When aiming at the jugular of someone else's bad attitude or poor behavior, we often run past, right past our own. I, have an eye-opening, I had an eye-opening experience many years ago that highlights this point. I was driving in the city of Johannesburg down a road where the traffic lights were not synchronized. Boo. <laughs> this meant getting caught at every red light for the next several miles. As I was waiting for a traffic light to turn green, a white BMW came past me at high speed. It was, it was apparent to me that the driver was trying to make it to the next light before it turned red. I found myself slightly irritated by the driver of that BMW. When I caught up to the car, which had been stopped by the next red light, I was surprised to find a lady in the driver's seat. When the light turned green, she took off like a Formula One driver. In an attempt to catch the next green light, she drove recklessly around other cars. Once again, she was not successful, and by this time, I was really bugged. <laughs> Her aggressive driving now had my full and undivided attention. I found myself looking and praying for a traffic officer who would witness her vehicular insanity and then take appropriate punitive action. I came to a point in the road where I found myself in a dual turning lane ne right next to the BMW. As I looked in my rearview mirror, I saw the answer to my prayers, a traffic officer. At this point, I, was, I am hoping, almost praying, that this female drag racer will continue her reckless behavior. Then to my utter joy, she speeds off without having the right of way. After a few seconds, I gained the right-of-way and turned in the same direction. Suddenly, I heard, I heard the police siren. By this time, I'm almost ecstatic at the thought of this vehicle vixen getting the full penalties for her crimes. As I glanced once more in my rearview mirror, to my utter shock, this purveyor of road justice was pulling me over. <laughs> I pulled off 
to the side of the road and waited in disbelief as a traffic officer (laughs) approached my car. As I rolled down the window, I was stunned to hear the nature of my crime. The officer said, you neglected to use your turning signal, your indicator. You neglected to use your indicator. (laughs) My first thought was, this lady's going to kill somebody and you're on me about my turning signal. Well, the next voice I heard was the Holy Spirit. He said, it's not the big issue in someone else's life that will pull you off the road of your destiny. It's the small stuff that you neglect in your own life that will. Now, it's very easy to get distracted by the problems of others and to neglect the ones closer to home. Paul said, I buffet my body, I make it my slave, lest after I've preached to others, I may be disqualified. The point is not about turning a blind eye to other people's problems, especially in significant relationships, but it's about starting with ourselves. When we expect from others what we don't practice at home, we miss growth opportunities, we attract a spirit of hypocrisy, and we open up the door for mistrust and cynicism. Yeah. Yeah. And um, (laughs) that's in the book, by the way. And, and a whole lot more. You see, we, we, we are called to live in the tension. This, uh, it's kind of a paradox. Two seemingly contradictory ideas contained in the same truth. A tension, a paradox. And, and, and the tension is this. I can do all things who strengthens me. I'm amazing. And, but for the mercy and grace of God, I'm a disaster waiting to happen. And we really have to live in the tension of both of those. I mean, that's part, of, that's part of what, when David wrote Psalms 51, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Part of the joy of your salvation is when you are forgiven, remembering how it was when you weren't. And I've said to the Lord, Father, no matter how successful I become, let me never forget what it's like not to be. It's a super big deal. And the reason I'm sharing, this is, this, this is a prophetic moment because there's some people that are in here that are really frustrated in some essential relationships. Family, friendship, or work. I don't know which, but... But I know you're, it's in some essential, it's a fresh, almost at your wit's end. And the word for you is this. It's not in any way suggesting that that other person doesn't have issues. But that's not where you're going to get your breakthrough. What's going to qualify you is working again on you. I really feel that's a now word for some people, literally. No, I mean it's like now. It's not like a general exhortation, a general ad- admonishing this is a now word. There's some people in here, and you got this essential, and it's just you're at your wit's end, the frustration, and, and, and you just think, if I just keep bearing in, and if I could, and God is saying, you're going to get breakthrough. You're going to qualify to bring breakthrough as soon as you put your attention back on your own heart. You see, we, we don't get grace because someone else is wrong. We get grace because we are humble. See, showing somebody they're wrong doesn't fix anything by itself. We need grace. We really do. We need God's help. We need supernatural intervention if it's really going to get fixed. And I'm just saying that. I just feel there's some people in here. I'm not going to have you stand up, but I, I really feel this is a word for somebody in here. That you have, and, and it's not that, it's not about a rebuke not like you're, it's just go back and just examine your heart. Examine your attitude. Come at it from that position and watch what I do. Yeah. So whoever that is, that's, that's like a thus, that's a prophetic word for you. That's good to know because you got to get these breakthroughs. Relationships are a big deal. I mean, they really are. Everything God does is through relationships family, work, I mean, and and the enemy spends so much time creating superficiality and undermining. Why? Because those partnerships are designed to bring so much more of the kingdom. And so whoever that is, I just want to encourage you that that's, it's like, can you, what qualifies us? We are called to help each other. We are. 
We need our brothers and our sisters and our mothers. and We need people in our lives. But what really qualifies you to help somebody else is not because you see what's wrong with them, but because you are working on yourself more. That's what he says. Work on yourself more. Take the log. Work on yourself more. Then you will see clearly. You want to see better to make a difference? Part of seeing better to take the difference is working, letting the Holy Spirit work on you. And this becomes difficult for people that become very successful. Politicians and pastors, you know. I mean, seriously. I've heard pastors say, you know, but oh, I'm a pastor. I don't need deliverance or healing. I don't need sozo. I mean, you think somehow because you're in the ministry and experienced, you're off limits to the enemy? It's ridiculous. What continuously qualifies me for your life isn't my experience. What qualifies me is that I keep working on me. I buffet my body. I make it my slave. Paul said that. Follow me as I follow the Lord. So I want to really encourage you. I, can't pr- I, just, I just feel such an urgency for that. But, it, but I feel an excitement. So I feel like it's like God is just, just like the, the, the daylight is just going to shine right in in that situation. And you're going to be blown away by what God does. Yeah. Sorry? Thank you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So anyway, see, you got that. They didn't get that. They should have got that. I don't know why they didn't get that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Jesus. Let me give you. Um, I have three sons. Um, ben, uh, three of my four kids were born here. Uh, ben, who's now 34, he was three years old when we moved here. Uh, my second son, Adam, he was the first one born here. He's 30, turns 31 in July. He was born here. He had July 2nd, 1987. Then Ethan was born uh, October 25th, uh, 1988. And then my daughter, Melody, in 1991. And um, anyway, uh, my daughter, my princess, my youngest, she came home from school one day, and she had made me a coffee cup in art class. Made me a coffee cup coffee mug in art class. And um, I have, at, back, I don't drink coffee near like I used to, but I would, you, coffee connoisseur, I mean, that's where you got the anointing. That's it. You guys carry it now. That's it. I've, I've passed the baton to you. And I mean, but I'm serious. If anybody knew Bill Bennett, they knew coffee, you know, the book of Hebrews, you know, it's biblical. Um, Hebrews, yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. So, so anyway, I had dozens of coffee cups. I mean, I, I, I did. And all, you got to realize, I had dozens of coffee cups. And all of them were like a whole lot better than that coffee cup. I mean, that coffee cup she brought me was kind of leaned, like the Tower of Pisa. It's kind of leaning, you know, had kind of bumps and little things coming out the side and I mean, according to coffee cup industry standards, it was a reject. <laughs> Seriously. But I, I promise you, I promise you, after I got that coffee cup, I never used another one. In fact, I would reach, oh, it didn't matter, that was the only coffee cup I would use. I would not have sold that coffee cup for $1,000. Seriously. Why? Now, here it is. Why? What made that coffee cup so valuable and special? She did. It was her. It was so special. In fact, I, when we moved in, in 0405, it didn't get packed. In fact, if anybody sees it, <laughs> I've been looking for it for years, you know. It says, it says I love dad on it, you know. So if you, I want my coffee cup back. I mean, I'm, really, I'm serious. But it wasn't, it was special. It was perfect, perfect. Not because she, it was, she, well, she, she well crafted it, but because she crafted it. Seriously, the value of that cup, it was her heart. It was her hands. It was her faith. Now think about that. Think about what makes your worship, what makes your uh, prayers, what makes your obedience so special? You do. 
The reason why your obedience, your prayers, your worship is so special because it's you. See, your faith isn't wonderful because of how it compares with someone else's faith. Your faith is wonderful because it's your faith. You've got to realize, that's how we are about our kids. Parents, we're the dads, moms. You guys know that, don't you? You know how special that is. I mean, they can give you, especially when they're little and they don't know how, they don't do things with excellence. You know, they just do things. But it doesn't matter. I mean, I still got, I still got stuff that, I mean, you ought to see what I have. It's like useless, but it means so much because it was them. And that's how the, you just multiply that by, you know, forever. And that's the father towards your life. Why do you think Jesus said, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 that don't need any? Why? Because there's nothing more precious and powerful than the giving of one's heart. You've got to realize, that's why do you think the enemy wars against that? There is nothing more special, more precious, and more powerful than when you give your heart to God. The devil hates it. It's like an explosion of glory. It is. So you can't see it in the natural, but in the spirit it happens. You gotta, it, says that, it says that darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, but his glory arises upon us. It arises upon us because our hearts are vested in him. See, it says the angels long to look at it. They don't even get that experience. There is something so powerful, so amazing about we are, in the, uh, we are in a world of darkness. There are demonic spirits that spend 24-7 time and effort to distract you, to beat you down, to keep you distant, disconnected from God. And all of a sudden, in the midst of all the enemy's efforts, in all his deceptions, in all his manipulations, in all his lies, in one moment you go, Jesus, here's my heart. It's just glory bombs. It's a glory bomb. There's celebrate. Heaven's going, wow, look at that heart. Because it's you. Because it's you. How special, how, how amazing that is. I, my son Ben... Right before we moved here, we spent about a year, 1986, raising support to move here. Because we came here as missionaries. Didn't know anybody. Nobody except Jesus. And, um, and God gave me one phone number. And I showed up at a prayer meeting at Vitz Campus in July of 87. And Andrew Gosman was there. And the rest is history. Yeah. In fact, Carol, who became his wife, was our first convert in the second service we ever did. She was our first convert, and he was our very first leader. But um, anyway, so we spent the year raising support before we came. But my son, Ben, was two years old. Before, uh, we turned three right before we came. Anyway, he comes. I'm in, the back, I'm in someone's backyard in their pool with a friend of mine in their pool. And here comes Ben. He just comes, and he's just two years old. And all of a sudden, he sees me, and he lights up, and he jumps in the pool to swim to me. The only problem is he can't swim. He doesn't know how to swim. And I mean, he just goes under. I mean, he goes, I mean, this big smile, he sees me and he just jumps in like he's going to come swimming to me. I mean, I had to grab him. I had to get him and pull him up. And when I did, he had this big smile on his face. I mean, as far as swimming technique, he was a failure, but his faith was perfect. Perfect. Powerful. It moved me. Did you see that? It moved me. It moves the Father. Your faith, because it's you. Because it's you. You've got to know that. How special, how priceless, how impacting that is. I mean, if we flip this thing around, what makes salvation so special? What makes salvation so special? Is it just because we get forgiveness, a deliverance, or healing? No, it's because we get God. <laughs> God is the one that makes it like really special. When you get the revelation, when, when I first got saved, it was on a university campus in the 1970s, and I found out that God gave us this book, I wouldn't put it down. 
No, seriously. I just, see, God gave us this book. I mean, your level of value determines your degree of effort. And there's no doubt, value is, value is determined by several criteria. How many people need it, right? It's price. But one criteria is, is who made it, who gave it to you, right? It does. And when I found out, when I got born again and I realized this was God's book, I mean, I would get slayed in the spirit reading it. I'm serious, I did. When I first got saved, I'd be sitting in my dorm room, my res, you know, with the Bible, and I would literally get slayed in the spirit because this is God's word. We should never lose that because it never stops being that. And, and, and if I give... If, if Simon goes out and buys a watch, it has value based upon the quality of that watch. But if I bring him as a gift that watch, guess how much more value it has? A whole lot more. In fact, it'll have a whole lot more than the money value by far. Absolutely will. Well, let me show you how this can work with Jesus. <clears throat> Say I, I come up to my friend's side, and I, have a, I, I give him a paper bag with something in there for him. He doesn't want to open it while I'm there. He just thanks me. Greg gives me a big hug, and we, we part. He walks away, and he kind of opens it up just to see, you know, what's this cool gift I got from Bill? And it's a bag of dirt. So he thinks, well, maybe there's, like, car keys hidden in there, <laughs> digging down in there, you know, digging around in the dirt, and it's just dirt. Like, what's wrong? Boy, Bill's older. You know, age is finally catching up with him. You get to be 60, you just give dirt. So he's, so, 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 so as soon as he gets close to a bin, it's going in the bin, right? He's throwing out that bag of dirt, right? Come on. You know that's true. Well, anyway, but now, another scene. 1 a.m. in the morning, suddenly he's awakened. The glory of God is in the room. The sound of angels are singing. I mean, the, the sound of many waters is like, shh, glory. And there's Jesus looking right at him, eyes of flame of fire, feet of burnished bronze. And, you know, eyes just going, wow. And Jesus hands him a, a bag. Wow. And he opens it, and it's a bag of dirt. And he goes, wow, wow. It's probably from the garden. It probably was dirt from around the tree of life. I guarantee he ain't going back to sleep. He's going to call everybody he knows. I got a bag of dirt from God. Right? Of course. It's special because it's him. It's special because it's you. That's why the enemy spends so much time Trying to keep, create these distances. You know, just, there, there's no replacement for intimacy. None whatsoever. It doesn't work if you don't have it. At best, you have a, a peripheral kind of in proximity religious existence. What a bummer. What a waste of faith. What a waste of life when he came to give so much more. The clock, okay. <laughs> that sucker don't stop. All right, I'll, I'll end on this one because I got like eight minutes. You guys are getting all brand new stuff. Aren't you glad you stayed to the third service? You're getting some new stuff here. <laughs> yeah. How do you land this thing? <laughs> Boy, there's so much here. Help me, Lord. Okay. In John 13, I'll show you this. John chapter 13, something very interesting that most people have never seen before. This may be a new thought for you. In verse 21, and when Jesus had said this, he, began he became troubled in spirit 
And he testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another. (laughs) Isn't it pretty funny? No one's looking in the mirror. You know, they're looking at, probably you. You got that look. You look like a stinker. (laughs) They're reclining on Jesus' breast, his bosom. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved. I mean, John's talking about himself. I got to love this guy. I got to love John. Got to love John. Reclining on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, Simon Peter. Now, they're sitting around the table. They're sitting around the ministry table. That's where they're at. They're around the table of ministry. Simon Peter therefore gestured to him and said to him, tell us who it is of whom he's speaking. Now, get this. John is like pressed up against Jesus' bosom. That's pretty close. And yet Peter's asking John to ask Jesus who it is. Leaning back says, on Jesus' breast, he says, Lord, who is it? Asks him very plainly, right? Now Jesus answered. It didn't say he whispered. He didn't whisper in John's ear. It says, it is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. He said it very clearly, didn't he? Of course he did. He didn't whisper. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Jesus therefore said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now listen to verse 28. No one of those reclining at the table. No one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said that to him. Notice the difference. There was one reclining on his bosom, and the others were reclining around the table. It says those, it said those hanging out around the table didn't know, for, didn't hear it. John did. And John heard it. Peter didn't. Now, here's what's interesting. There is a difference between hanging around and getting intimate. And there's a lot of Christians that just kind of hang around. There is. Some of you in here, you just hang around. And there's a big difference between what you'll have confidence to ask him and hear from him, depending on are you just hanging around or are you leaning on the bosom of the Lord? Are you leaning into the heart? What do you hear? You hear the heartbeat. You hear the flow of blood. You hear the flow of life. Peter didn't ask Jesus himself. Why? Because I'll tell you what, we will never have the faith and the confidence to to approach Jesus on certain things unless we are intimate. Hanging around church will never do it. There are things we are supposed to be able to approach him and ask him anything, but there's so many things we don't have the faith to do that. The comfort to do that. Why? Because we're not intimate. And then there are some things we will never be trusted to hear. You know, if Peter would have heard it, you know what he'd have done? He would have body slammed Judas. <laughs> he would have. Come on, man. Peter was a rough dude, man. He cut off body parts, remember, in the garden. Dude wasn't a fisherman, man. He was a gangster. John was trusted to hear it and not react in the flesh. And it's all tied to intimacy. It's all tied to getting real close. And the enemy is in the distance business. You have to be intent, just like a marriage. It's the same thing, friendship. You've got to just make that decision every day. We're going to get close. We're going to be vulnerable. We're going to be transparent. We're going to be honest. We're going to deal with stuff. We're not going to hide the crud because it's a safe space to get things right, to grow and to learn. And there's too many Christians in the church that are just hanging around. That's all they're doing, just hanging around. And I'm not saying you're not born again. This isn't about that. This is about getting to hear and see the stuff we need to hear and see. It's about Jesus is looking for a people that he can trust with anything. Will that be you? Will that be me? My answer is yes. That's what he paid for. That's what he came for. That's what we're made for. Did you know that you are? I did that. (laughs) It's not too high. You guys got a new stage. We had steps when I was here. 
made it easier for us older guys. Where was I, man? I just lost my phone. <laughs> yeah, I know, but besides that. <sighs> what was the last thing I said? Come on. Anybody? What's that? Don't ask you. Okay. You're... I got, I, okay, too many voices. One. What's that? Oh, there's something else. That's still not you. Do, you guys are supposed to help me. <laughs> that was not it. That wasn't the last. No, it's all right. It's good. Good. Help me, Lord. <laughs> What's that? I know. Still not there, but that's okay. That happens. See, I, I'm really glad. I turned 60 in December. I did. I turned 60. I said, man, now I really got a good excuse. <laughs> My wife hates that when I said, honey, I'm 60 now. You know, we forget some things. No, I, I, I'm in the general vicinity, but I was going into a, I was, I, there was a specific place I wanted to hit on. And um, yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. We are, I got it, thank you, all of us, all of us, God will use people, fortunately, thank you, that Father will use people to help us to see and hear things we could never see and hear by ourselves. But God is bringing us to a place, because we are designed to need to see it and hear it for ourselves, we are, you have to. Not just generally and not just, you know, from somebody else, but you are designed to hear it, to see it for yourself. But it only happens when you get that close. If you can get close to the ministry table and you'll hear things and see things to a degree and they'll be a great encouragement, but they will never be the depth and the substance of what you are totally made for. You know, you have to see it for yourself. That's, that is what I'm in the business of. I'm in the business of that. Turning on the lights. You hear his voice. You don't just, you're not just hearing the voice that I share, but you hear it. You see it. It's like this. Let me give you this example and we'll wrap up. If you're on a road, you're traveling on a road, and you know, driving wherever, here in Joburg or whatever. How many of you, if you get behind a big truck, you're happy to stay there? Anybody at all happy to do that? Now, I never get a hand raised for that. Never. You got, you got a problem with big trucks? <laughs> you know, nobody wants to stay behind a big truck. Why? Because you can't see. Now, there are other reasons. They're, too, I, I, they're slow. They got stuff coming out the back end that's not good for you. But primarily, it's line of sight, right? You can't see. And you're, you need to see. Well, let's make a, a suggestion. What if you had a friend in front of the truck in another car? And they had you on the cell phone. And they were describing to you what they see. Would that make driving behind that truck any more acceptable and enjoyable? No. Why? Because they're not your eyes. You are designed to see and hear God. In your language, in your background, in your backyard, in your world. That's what we're called to activate. And you don't have to wait to be here on Sunday for that to happen. But what you do have to do is you have to lay your head on the bosom. You can't just hang around. I, I, I minister, I pastor hundreds, I've pastored thousands of people, and you know, and they think, you know, they're going to kind of come and just get it fixed, and I'm saying, see, the problem is you're hanging around. You can get this from Jesus, but you got to get close. 
You've got to make that your priority because that's the priority he's made for you. That's why he's there. He's not there so you can just hang around. He's there so that you can lean in, be fully, completely vulnerable and intimate with him. I want to ask every head to bow, every eye to close. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your sons and daughters in this place. Heavenly Father, King of glory, great God and friend, you're in this place. These are your sons and daughters. And you have, they are, you, they are the vehicle of choice for your glory. Everything else reflects your glory. They're the only ones created to carry it, to bear it in all its fullness. So, Father, if there's any of your sons and daughters in here, and, boy, they're hanging around. They're sons and daughters. They're born again, but they're just hanging around. They're kind of in just sort of getting by. But they're not hearing. They're not seeing. They're not having that experiential life with you that is just so full of power and transformation and just life change, victory. The testimony of a Christian life is they're in battles. They're, they're in the fiery furnace, but they're not being roasted. Father, they're in the lion's den, but they're not getting much, just greater glory. But it comes via intimacy. Just hanging around. If you're here this morning, and that's kind of you, you're like Peter. You're, you're having to ask somebody else to tell you what Jesus is going to say. You can't ask them directly. For whatever, it feels awkward. You, don't, you just don't feel comfortable doing that. Just, you don't have that level of, 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 of connection and trust. And yet there's Jesus right there. They could have all laid on the bosom of the Lord. Jesus was not just picking John. John picked that heart. Will you pick that heart for you? Will you say yes to that heart for you? Some things that you're called to hear, you need to hear, you're praying to hear, you're praying for these things, but you won't get it just by hanging around. You get it by leaning in to Jesus, your heart, my heart. If you're here and you need to do that, whoever it is, anybody at all, with every bed bowed, every eye closed, if you need to do that, to come back and just heart to heart, head to heart, you need to do that with Jesus. Would you raise your hand right where you're at if you need to do that? I want to pray for you. God bless you right here. God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you. Keep your hand up for just a minute. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you right there. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Wonderful. All across the room. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I just, there's such a presence here. There's such an anointing for breakthrough. Would everybody stand to their feet real quick? Just stand to your feet. If you raised your hand, would you get out of your seat and just come stand with me? I'm going to pray for you. Would you just do that? Just come out of your seat. It's all right. Just, just come join me. Can you help? Give me a hand, church. We're going to pray for you. Just come on. Come on. I just want to pray for you. Just right here. That's all I'm going to do. Just come on. just want to pray for you. All right? Just going to pray for you. Come on. Do better than that. Yes. God's doing some stuff here. It's that real. It's that powerful. It really is. Just come right up here. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Do we have any ministry team people that can stand behind them as well? And All right. I know there's a lot of folks that have come forward. You know, God's presence is here. It really is. And he always meets faith. Not performance, not trying harder, just faith, just God. That's what I want. That's what I'm saying yes to. That's it. That's how simple, how amazing it is. And right now, as you've come forward, you're just coming to say, okay, here's my heart. I don't want to just hang around and just do religion. It will never be satisfying. It will never be enough. And, and you'll continually live in survivor mode. 
rather than as a thriving, as a son and daughter of the Most High God. I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer, and then I'm going to pray for you. Let's all pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you created me as your son and daughter to hear your voice, to see your glory. And this day, I choose to lean into your heart, to not just hang around the church, not just hang around ministry activity, but I want to be like John. I want to lean on the bosom of your chest. I want to hear your heartbeat for my life and for those around me. So Jesus, here I come. Open those arms like you did for John. Because I'm jumping on you. I'm coming without anything held back. Thank you for an intimacy that allows me free access to hear everything you're saying and to see everything you're doing. In Jesus' name. I just want to pray for you, Father. I just... Ooh. Sorry, that was a shock. <laughs> Boy, that carpet got you. Boom. <laughs> oh, shh. Blessing. 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 Intimacy. Right there. Inner court. Holy of holies experience. In Jesus' name. Never on the outside. Never on the outside. No more. No more. No more. In Jesus' name. The sons and daughters, not just hanging around, but hearing and seeing and being encountered, encountering you like never before, like never before, like never before. In Jesus' name, new wine, fresh oil, new wine, fresh oil, new wine, fresh oil. Oh, more, the 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 more. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, in Jesus' name, let's give God a big shout. Oh! <laughs>